This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Thank you. Good afternoon to you all. We come then to look at this subject. It's a phrase taken from the reading we've just taken from Romans, the last verse of Romans chapter 6. And it says, the wages of sin is death. Perhaps it seems like a negative subject. And so what we're going to be thinking about is, well, what does this phrase mean? But also what's it saying in the context of what Paul's writing to the believers at Rome? The uh, subject requires us then to think about, well, what is death? We're going to think about what is sin? And then, is there any hope for us? Just going back to the right page. So, if you can open your Bibles, please, to, to Romans chapter 6. That's where we, we took the reading from. And it's the last verse of the chapter where the Bible quotation comes from. And the Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, he says, For the wages of sin is death. He goes on to say, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what we're going to be looking at this afternoon is this idea of sin, finding out what, what sin is as far as the Bible is concerned, what death is as far as the Bible teaching is concerned. But then we're going to pick up what it also says in the latter part of this verse, where it says, on the one hand, the wages of sin is death. But it also goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what we believe is that the Bible does contain a wonderful hope, a message of good news, a gospel message. And so when we come to look at what the Bible says, it's very important to understand Bible verses and Bible teachings in the context of the chapters in which they are written. Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he was writing to the Romans and he was writing a letter setting out the good news, setting out the gospel message. If you just come back to the first chapter of Romans, where he opens the, the letter, he talks about the good news or the gospel in verse 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so Paul was writing with a message of salvation, of being saved from sin and from death. And this is the, the great contrast that the, the Bible sets out before us and it sets out a great choice for us to make about whether we're prepared to accept the gospel message and submit to God's will or whether we accept the natural state in which we find ourselves which is one 
under a law of sin and death as we shall see so we want to look then at the the context of this phrase so Romans coming back to Romans chapter 6 for a few moments the last verse gives a contrast between the negative the wages of sin is death and the positive the gift of God is eternal life the choice between death and life and these contrasts are built upon from earlier on in the epistle if we just look back a few verses into verse 16 of this sixth chapter he says know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey so we've got a choice who we're going to serve and the contrast is whether we serve sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness we have a choice to serve sin or to serve God to be obedient and to turn to righteousness and this contrast is being built upon from the earlier context so if we just come back to the previous chapter in Romans Romans chapter 5 here again we see Paul writing of these contrasts and if we look at verse 20 and 21 of Romans chapter 5 he says moreover the law entered that the offence might abound but where sin abounded grace did much more abound that as sin hath reigned unto death even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord so it says sin has reigned unto death and the, that's the phrase isn't it we're looking at this afternoon the wages of sin is death and so the same theme is being developed in this epistle sin hath reigned unto death but there is an alternative that as sin has reigned unto death even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord and so there is a choice following the Lord Jesus Christ with the hope of life or continuing in our natural state which is destined to death and this is something which goes right back to the beginning of the history of mankind if we look back into verse 12 of Romans chapter 5 it talks about a man and he says wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned and so he talks about one man through by one man sin entered into the world a little bit later we're going to come back to that and we're going to find out about that man and how sin entered into the world but before we do that we're just going to have a look now at what does sin mean and what does death mean as far as the the bible is concerned so first of all sin well the bible nearly nearly all of the bible is either written 
in Hebrew, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, or the New Testament was written in Greek. And both the Old Testament and the New Testament contain the word sin. If we look up in a concordance to understand what these words mean, if we look in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for sin is the word chatar. And according to Strong's concordance, the main meanings for the word sin are here on the screen. It means to sin or to miss, to miss the way, to go wrong, to incur guilt, to forfeit, to purify from uncleanness, and other variations on those similar ideas. It means to, to miss, to miss the goal, to miss the, the path of right and duty, to incur guilt, to incur a penalty by sin. And similarly, the New Testament word translated as sin in our English Bibles has a similar meaning. It's the Greek word harmatia, and according to Strong's Concordance, and the main meanings for that are to be without a share in, to miss the mark, to err or be mistaken, to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honour, to do or to go wrong, to wander from the law of God, to violate God's law or sin. That which is done wrong, sin and offence, a violation of the divine law in thought or act. And so that's some of the understanding of the, the meaning of the word sin from a concordance, from someone who's, who's looked at the original languages to what those words mean. Another way of understanding Bible words is to look at what the Bible says for, about itself. And... I've got a couple of references here, and perhaps we can have a look at uh, some of these references as we go through this afternoon. But I've just got some of the quotes on the screen to help us to uh, cover quite a bit of material. But one definition of sin is, is in the first epistle of John. I'll just um, turn across to the first of John and chapter 3, where... The whole verse, it says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. And so there, the Bible gives a, a definition of sin for us. It says, for sin is the transgression of the law. It's going against what God has said in his law. Another definition is in earlier on in Romans, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, where it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we looked at those definitions a few moments ago in the, the Greek and the Hebrew definitions. One of the... Uh, major meanings was to miss the mark and here in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 we have that 
really set out. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They've missed the target of reflecting the glory of God. God wishes us to do what is right, to reflect his character and his glory. And to fall short of that is to sin. And what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 3 is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have fallen short of God's way, except, as we will think about later, except for the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God. And so that's some ideas then, some thoughts about the idea of the word sin and what sin means. What then does death mean? I want to look at some Bible definitions for death. And they're uh, going to start by thinking about some words in the Old Testament. Can you come with me back to the book of Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes and chapter 9, first of all. Bible talks about death and it talks about it as something which is quite final and here's some words in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 in verse 4 it says for to him that is joined to all the living there is hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion for the living know that they shall die but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Here then is how the Bible describes death. Life is contrasted to the death of an animal. He says a, a living dog is better than a dead lion. There's nothing left of the lion once it's dead. The consciousness has completely disappeared. And the same applies to human beings. Their love, their hatred, their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. And that then is the natural state of mankind in death. Again, if we just turn back a few chapters in Ecclesiastes to chapter 3. Again speaks about death. And shows that Men and women are in the same situation as animals are in relation to life and death without the hope of the gospel. So verse 18 of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, And I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men 
beforeth beasts, even one thing beforeth them. As one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. And so naturally speaking, that's what death is. Death, death is the cessation of life. And just as animals die, and that's the end of them, so the Bible teaches that that is the same situation for mankind without the gospel message. And so for many, that is the end. Death is the end. You think of these references that speak about death elsewhere. In the Psalms, um, a couple of references in Psalm 49. Perhaps just have a, have a look at those verses. Psalm 49. In verse 11 it says about mankind that their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places unto all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man, being in honour, abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. And so... Mankind might be able to do greater things than the animal kingdom. They call their lands after their own names. And yet the Bible says, Man, being in honour, abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. And then in verse 20, he goes on to say, Man that is in honour and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. And here then in, in verse 20 we've got a, a hint, haven't we, about that contrast we saw in Romans. That there is, in the Bible, a hope. Man that is in honour and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. If we're prepared to turn to God for understanding, to understand the gospel message from the Bible, then there is a hope beyond the grave. But without that, we are like beasts that perish. And we won't turn to the Isaiah reference, but we've got it there on the screen. They are dead. They shall not live. They are deceased. They shall not rise. Therefore hast thou visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. And so that's the state of man, naturally speaking. Those who don't turn to God, they are dead. They shall not live. They are deceased. They shall not rise. That's the natural state of mankind death is the cessation of life and so having thought about the, the words sin and death we want to pick up now on what we saw in Romans chapter 6 and, and back into chapter 5 where we saw in Romans chapter 5 that it said that as by one man Sin entered into the world and death by sin. 
And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So, who was this one man in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12? By one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Well, it was the man Adam. If we just come across to Corinthians for a moment, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Chapter which very much speaks about the hope of resurrection from the dead. There in Romans chapter 15, we have the contrast between the Lord Jesus Christ and Adam, the first man. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20, it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. So Jesus died, but he rose again he is risen from the dead and so Jesus is the great contrast with everything else that has gone before as he says in verse 21 for since by man came death by man came also the resurrection of the dead and he explains that verse 22 for as in Adam all die even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. And so there is the contrast and there is the hope and the opportunity for us. Adam was that one man by whom death came, sin came into the world and death by sin. But there is a hope through the Lord Jesus Christ. Even so, in Christ, if we are in Christ through baptism we have the hope of life from the dead and a wonderful future hope that gift of God which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and so we've seen two New Testament references talking about this one man from the start the man Adam let's go back then to the start of the Bible and see what happened in the Garden of Eden, the origins of sin and of death. So let's come back then to Genesis, to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 1 and 2 give us the record of the creation of the heavens and the earth. The formation of the first man, Adam, and then formation of Eve out of the side of Adam but Adam we're told was formed of the dust of the ground in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 2 the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul and so this first man was made the man Adam he was a living creature formed out of the dust of the ground and he was given a place to live verse 8 it says the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed and so man was put in the garden in Eden and he was given a law verse 16 says the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest 
freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And so Adam was given plenty to eat. He was able to eat of every tree of the garden, except the one called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the punishment for eating of that tree was death. And we know, if we come across into the next chapter, Genesis chapter 3, that Adam did eat of that fruit, he and his wife Eve. And so, in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 4, confronted with the the question of, of eating, the serpent that was in the garden spoke to Eve, and the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And so the woman was contemplating this fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent had said, Ye shall not surely die. And the woman listened to the words of the serpent. We read in verse 6, The woman saw the tree that was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And so God had given to Adam a law and he had broken that law. He had missed the mark. He had sinned. And as a consequence, he was brought under the consequence of that sin, which is death. So we follow on the reference in Genesis chapter 3 to the words which God spoke when he, when he spoke to Adam. He speaks to the serpent in, in verse uh, 14 and then to the, the woman in verse 16. But then verse 17, unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And so here the sentence was given to Adam. The wages of sin is death. Adam had that choice. He chose to eat of that fruit. He chose to disobey God's command. He missed the mark and he sinned. And he earned the wages of sin, which is death. And as he had been taken out of the ground, formed out of the dust of the earth, 
He's told there in verse 19, Dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And so the sentence of death came upon mankind, and we all inherit mortality. We're all subject to death as a consequence of what happened here in the Garden of Eden. And so when we think about those words in the New Testament, we're all under that sentence. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so without the gospel message, without the hope the Bible gives us, all we can expect is to return to the dust, to die as Adam and Eve did. And we notice that within these things there's no concept of continued life after death there is no immortal soul think about what the the words of the serpent were the words of the serpent were thou shalt not surely die but that wasn't the case Adam did surely die he returned to the dust and God's judgment was fulfilled upon Adam just as he had said. And so we're all subject to death. And so this is a consistent teaching throughout the scriptures. If we think about the words of the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 18 and at verse 4, we read there, Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth it shall die. And so there is no immortal soul. The soul is the person. And just as Adam died, so we all are subject to death. Man, being in honour, which understandeth not, is like the beasts that perish. And so the only hope is to have an understanding, an understanding of God's word, an understanding of the gospel message. And perhaps we can come across to the prophet Ezekiel. I'd like to look at another verse in that 18th chapter. In Ezekiel chapter 18, God, through the prophet Ezekiel, is speaking to his people Israel who had turned away from God they thought that they were being punished for the sins of their fathers but the prophet Ezekiel tells them that no they're being punished for their own sins and so he says the soul that sinneth it shall die but that wasn't what God wanted God created mankind upon the earth because they had a purpose with his creation. He could have created Adam and put him in the Garden of Eden as a robot who would automatically obey whatever God said. But that wasn't what God did. God put Adam there with free will, with a choice to serve God, to obey or to disobey. And what God wants is for men and women to choose to obey him, to choose a hope of life. And this is what we see later on in Ezekiel chapter 18. If we have a look at the latter part of the chapter in verse 
31, the prophet calls upon Israel to change. He says, cast away from you all your transgressions whereby ye have transgressed and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. And so whilst God is just and has carried out that judgment upon Adam and the wages of sin is death nevertheless God wants us to turn to him to not live lives of sin but to live lives motivated by the word of God and to turn to God through the hope in the Lord Jesus Christ as we shall see as we come into the New Testament teaching God has no pleasure in the death of him that dieth. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. And again, another Old Testament reference in Deuteronomy chapter 30. In verse 19 it says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, Choose life, that both thy and thy seed may live. These are the words of God to the people of Israel as they were being brought into the promised land. They were called upon to choose life, to serve God and to live. And that is the call of the gospel for us today. Let's come then into the New Testament. Think of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ following his death and resurrection in Mark and chapter 16. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus has died, he's been raised from the dead, and he's about to go to heaven. In verse 15 he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There was good news to be preached. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved. And so throughout our talk this afternoon we've been seeing those contrasts haven't we contrast between life and death and a choice that we have to make and coming back into Romans chapter 6 where we started we read the whole chapter at the introduction of this talk and Romans chapter 6 opens up by talking about baptism Jesus taught his disciples to go into all the world to preach the gospel and for those who believe the gospel to be baptised And he talks about baptism in Romans chapter 6. And he says in verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death? Therefore we are baptised, buried with him by baptism into death, that, like as Christ was raised from the dead 
by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And so through belief of the gospel and baptism into the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the hope of joining with the Lord Jesus Christ in life everlasting. Henceforth then, we should not serve sin. But the call upon us all is to turn to God, to accept that, naturally speaking, our situation is that we are destined to die. The wages of sin is death. And so we need to take the opportunity now to choose life, to recognise that it is a gift from God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through belief and baptism. And so we call upon you to read the Bible for yourself, to understand that gospel message and to await the return of the Lord Jesus and the eternal life, which will be for those who are joining with him in that glorious kingdom to come. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Christadelphians.org.uk